mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Chapter 26, The Second Task. You said you'd already worked out that egg clue, said Hermione indignantly. Keep your voice down, said Harry crossly. I just need to sort of fine-tune it, all right? He, Ron, and Hermione were sitting at the very back of the charms class with a table to themselves. They were supposed to be practicing the opposite of the summoning charm today, the banishing charm. I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And I'm Matt Potts. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Everybody, we have a few announcements. We want to remind you that camp is coming up. And Matt, I suddenly realized that it is going to be June in nature, the stargazing, the stargazing. I'm very excited. I'm excited for all of the programming we're going to do, but I'm also just excited to be in nature in a community. It's going to be really fun. Also s'mores. S'mores. There are going to be s'mores. I love nature, but I really love s'mores. <laughs> I think that's right. That's right. You can find out more by going to NotSorryWorks.com. And today's Every Flavored Bean, we're going to be talking about how we would do the second task. I would not have become a shark. I have feedback. So everybody, you can hear about how Matt and I would have completed the second task at Patreon.com slash Harry Potter Sacred Text. We also wanted to let you know that we had a last-minute cancellation for our April 12th through 16th Harry Potter pilgrimage. It's co-hosted by me and Casper Turkheil. It's going to be in Sussex, England. We're meeting in London on April the 12th. I know that it's just a couple of weeks away, so it's a really short turnaround. But if you're interested, we're offering the spot for 50% off just in case any of you can make it. So please go to readingandwalkingwith.com and click on Upcoming Trips, and we hope that somebody grabs a spot. Matt, you have a story today on the theme of purpose. I do. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm excited to tell it because it's about one of my favorite creatures. This story is about my dog, Suki. Ugh. Suki has been a part of our family for five years. We love her very much. In some ways, I feel like her purpose is to be part of our family. She's a very sweet very loving dog. Uh, she has a lot of energy and enthusiasm, and sometimes that makes it difficult. Sometimes that energy and enthusiasm butts up against, you know, 
human norms, mm-hmm. right? Like she thinks it's appropriate to bark when it's not appropriate to bark. Mm-hmm. She thinks it's appropriate to run directly at a window <laughs> when it's not appropriate to run directly at a window. For example, when there's a squirrel out there, mm-hmm. right? She's full of energy. She's fearless. And she hates small mammals, yeah. <laughs> right? And some of those things— She was things, so happy to see me this morning. She was, because she loves people. She, so in many ways, her purpose is to be our dog. A few years ago, we were in Michigan, and I was throwing a ball for her in, in an f- open field, and she would run and grab the ball and run back. Loves it. She's never happier than when she's running back with a ball in her mouth. But then I discovered there's actually one time when she's happier because as she ran one time towards a little stand of woods, she flushed out a mommy deer and a baby deer, like a doe and a fawn, and they started running. And deer are fast. The deer ran off past me and like out into the neighborhood and towards the busy intersection. And Suki was just like, just bolted after them. And as I saw she was running directly at me as she passed me, I was trying to call her, but to no avail, because at that moment, all she cared about were the deer. And I looked at her face as she was running, and I have never seen a dog as happy as I saw Suki (laughs) as she was chasing this deer and, and running after them. Another thing that happened later on is I was watching Suki's a Terrier. I was watching a video on YouTube about ratting with terriers in England, where they catch rats with terriers. And I saw this video... And I just saw where Suki belongs. These these terriers are in mud. They're digging through things. They're catching rats. There's a lot of commotion and people there and just so much energy and fearlessness and tenacity. It's so much like Suki. She would love it. There's a part of me that feels like that is her purpose. And it's actually true. Terriers were bred to do this, and she's a terrier. That's where she belongs. Colette and I feel like we can never show her this video. Because if she sees that there are other dogs doing this, she will believe that she never lived up to her true purpose as a creature when we think her purpose is to is to be with us, or we've made her purpose to be with us. So my story is a slightly tragic story <laughs> because it, it's about, you know, about Suki's purpose and what purpose is. Like, is, is purpose something we choose for ourselves? Is it something that's kind of part of who we are because of the gifts and talents we already have? I think those things are, it's complicated. And that's what I wanted to talk about with purpose. I think that this is actually a really helpful story about purpose, because I think we all contain multiple purposes. And one of the sort of tragedies of adulthood is this idea of ghost ships, right? Of like waving goodbye to some version of you that is living up to another purpose. And I think Suki is mature enough that she would be like, yes, that is another purpose that I have. But I choose to be the Potts's dog and protect them from evil squirrels. I have a purpose here. I never heard of ghost ships before, but I love that. And I'm really grateful for that image and that idea. So I look forward to keep talking about that in this episode. Well, let me credit it to Cheryl Strayed. Oh, okay, great. (laughs) So, yes. Vanessa, it's time for our 30-second recap. Yep. Can I count you in? Please. Three, two, one, go. So Harry, Ron, and Hermione are doing research and research and research and research. And then um, Ron and Hermione get sent away from McGonagall and Harry falls asleep, still doesn't know how to do the second task. He's like, okay, I'm just going to go down there and tell everybody that I don't know what I'm doing. And Dobby is like, never mind, I know how to get you to do this. And Harry dives in and he finds his way and Ron is there and Hermione and Fleur's sister and uh, Joe also. And Harry refuses to leave the other people behind. So he comes up and they're like, oh, but you get extra points you're a hero. Wow. I really spent a lot of time talking about studying. Not really. It wasn't that long. Okay. They did study a lot. It's a big part of the chapter. It is a big part of the chapter. Are you ready for your 30-second recap? No. Perfect. On your mark. Get set. Go. 
Uh, so that starts in there in Bandit. They're practicing banishing, and they all, Harry also doesn't know what he's doing. And then and then they study and study, and then uh, he falls asleep studying, and he also writes a note to Sirius. And then Dobby shows up and says, take, eat this. And he's like, okay, I have to run. And he goes, and he runs, and he stands there, and he eats it. And then uh, he grows gills and, and flippers, and he swims down, and the, the, everyone's there. And he's like, I have to save you all. And he does save all of them, kind of, while the other people come. And he and they goes back up, and he's like, oh, I was wrong. I didn't have to save everyone, and I think that's a bad idea for a task. The last sentence, was that Harry or you? That was me. That was commentary for me. <laughs> Got it. Matt, I think that that leads us beautifully to <laughs> something that really bothered me in terms of purpose in this chapter, which is Gabrielle, Cho, Hermione, and Ron's purpose as bait or as, as like, essentially hostages. Yeah, they're called hostages in the chapter. Yeah, I don't know how much consent there was with them, like, acquiescing to this. I can imagine this being quite troubling. Mm -hmm. But also, you are teaching children. I'm torn about it, honestly. You're teaching children that they can be used merely as an object to motivate somebody else. However, it is also really nice to find out that you are the most important thing to someone, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, there's something can very be nice. Pure. I'm not sure Hermione loves being the most important thing to Crumb. <laughs> no, I right? think that's right. But I do think it it must feel nice to Ron to be like, I'm the thing that matters most to you. Yeah. I do think it's weird that Cho and Hermione are that for Cedric and Crumb. Yeah. I guess, like, teenage boys. I, I don't know. I guess. I don't know. It seems it seems a little weird to me. Yeah. And also the idea of like uh, building on this thing, like the idea that like when they were called aside and we had this moment in the chapter where Harry, Ron and Hermione are studying in the library and then Ron and Hermione are called away and then we don't see them again because Harry falls asleep. The next we see them, they're under the water. Like what we can presume happened in the background is they went and had a meeting with with McGonagall and maybe other people involved with it tournament and they were like listen you'll be safe you'll be fine everyone knows you'll be fine like kind of like lower the temperature on the event but again like the purpose of the triwizard tournament from the beginning has never seemed to be like oh goodwill fun and games i mean there's some goodwill to it like but it's always been like the highest stakes people might die and the first task which had actual fire breathing dragons and people who ser got seriously injured right and breathed fire upon the hostage children would be like, oh, of course, this is totally safe. Like that we would immediately like shift and pivot and say like, oh, the purpose of this event isn't danger. It's actually just fun and games. That just it seems so, so weird. And that they would that they maybe they did make those assurances while Harry was sleeping. Maybe mm -hmm. before the event started, Ludo said to everybody, listen, no one's going to die here. No, but it didn't. Right. Well, because Fleur yeah, you're right. is terrified. Yeah. And Percy is, too. Percy, who completely believes in authority yeah. and institutions, he is scared, too. I do believe that all four of these kids, I feel least comfortable speaking for Gabrielle, but I do believe that these three Hogwarts kids really trust McGonagall and Dumbledore, and they're like, it's going to feel like going to sleep, and then you're going to wake up wet, but yeah. fine, and yeah. we'll make sure you're fine. It's like going in for surgery. Yeah. Like, right, you're just like, I'm young and healthy. It'll probably be yeah. okay. That I can totally believe. I just still think maybe the thing to focus on is Hermione. She is literally being objectified, yeah. like, in terms of a guy who she's, like, kind of been on one date with. Yeah. 
And that's a weird purpose. I'm just thinking about it really is like kidnapping, right? Where you are not yourself. You are a bargaining chip. Yeah, I wonder if Hermione could have said, I don't feel comfortable with this. I don't want to be Victor Crumb's most important thing. Right. <laughs> right. I I would rather not. Could you choose someone else? Or like, can we put his broom down there? That's his right. Quidditch yeah. broom. That's right. Yeah. 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 I especially appreciate you bringing up Gabrielle because whether it's clear or not intellectually to an eight-year-old, like underwater or whatever, like it's going to be terrifying and it's, it's not an appropriate, it's not an appropriate thing. And also, I think it's really important that like this ambiguity of purpose in the task, interestingly, though, I think leads to clarity of purpose for Harry because early in the chapter... It seems like Harry's primary purpose in the second task is, I just don't want to be embarrassed. He's like, he has no idea what's going to happen. Up to the night before, he has no idea how he's going to sustain himself. Up to the morning before. Up to the morning before. He's like, I'm going to stick my head underwater and scream, give it back. Right. Or he's just going to say, like, I give up, which, by the way, good strategy. Should have been doing this the whole time, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. I forfeit. Oh, I'm here again. I still forfeit. Right. If everyone's worried about Harry dying if the, no one knows what the purpose of his being in the tournament is and some people worry it's that he's being targeted like he should just be forfeiting every time anyway at the beginning harry's just like i don't want to be embarrassed it's okay if i lose i just want to try to give a good competition right when he actually gets underwater and sees people he cares about and some people he doesn't even know gabrielle like just he just cares about them because they're people then he's like oh my purpose has shifted now i don't actually care about winning i don't care about this event I care about these people not drowning down here, right? And that's interesting because the, it's the ambiguity of purpose in the event which raises the stakes for Harry and completely clarifies his purpose. It's no longer about being the Triwizard Champion or the Four Wizard Champion. It's about him making sure people are safe. And that's interesting. That, that ambiguity makes it absolutely clear what's important to him. Yeah, the clarity of purpose is incredible, right? One of the mer people tries to prevent Harry from cutting out Hermione and essentially says something like stop. And Harry yells, no way, Yeah. right? And this just, he's not thinking about it. He's just like, I know exactly what my purpose is in this moment. And so I'm going to keep doing it. And he literally gives Crumb a tool to beat him, right? Like, Oh, Hermione's going to be safe. Great. Here's this rock for you to cut her out. I don't care. Get her out of here. So I don't have to worry about her. That's right. Right. He is actively forfeiting in this moment because he has such clarity of purpose. And it's interesting because if it wasn't for the chief mer lady telling Dumbledore what happened under there, he would be embarrassed when he came up. Yeah. Or he could be, yeah. right? As everybody is laughing, how, how would, could you possibly think they would have actually let people, you know, die? He'd be like, oh, good point. But because they celebrate that moral fiber, as they call it, it's not embarrassing. It's a point of pride. Yeah. But so his previous purpose of don't be embarrassed actually gets entirely washed away. Yeah. He's like, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. I, I'm not going to watch Hermione die. Yeah. So... That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. Like, at first, he was only cared about not being embarrassed. He lets go of that entirely when he needs to save people. And then, had the mer woman not come up, like, and and told what had happened, like, he's embarrassed again. So, Mm -hmm. the thing, right, the original purpose, when he does throw out the window, he actually gets embarrassed. Yeah. But then it gets resolved at the end of the chapter in kind of a happy ending. Yeah, that's right. I hadn't thought of that. Although, Ron and Hermione are laughing at him, right? That's right. They're like, come on, man. Yeah. I'm so with him, and any validation that he might need is in Fleur and Percy. That's right. That's right. 
You know, Vanessa, you raised this a couple of times, just speaking about, you know, these children held hostages, and especially about the awkward and maybe inappropriate placement of Hermione as like the most important thing for for Crumb. Or, you know, we don't know what's going on between Cho and Cedric, but Cho as the most important thing for Cedric. And I've also spoken about how the stakes shift for Harry away from like self-preservation and avoiding embarrassment towards protecting others. And so one thing that we might think about is sort of love as purpose, like how like how we think about love or protection of others as a purpose and how much that purpose kind of motivates so much of the action in this chapter. You know, we've already talked about these characters. Another person we might think about with respect to that is Snape, right? Because Snape's purposes are always unclear to the children until the last book, basically. But I'm not sure. I mean, even with Snape himself, I think his own purposes are often confused. I mean, he has a certain kind of protectiveness that he feels obligated to live up to in terms of protecting Harry because of his past history with Lily. But his actions and his behaviors make that form of protection very confused. And in this chapter in particular, it's interesting because having had his office searched, the children are wondering what is going on with Snape, right? And Ron seems fairly convinced that Snape's purposes are dastardly or malicious. And Hermione is thinking, well, you know, Dumbledore, why would Dumbledore let him here if he saved you before? And why would Dumbledore keep him around if he was trying to kill you? She seems clear about his purposes. Harry seems much more uncertain. He just wants to kind of know what's going on. The purposes don't seem clear. And to be fair, Snape doesn't make it easy, right? Because if he is trying to save or be protective and be care for people, he is pretty cruel and mean about it as he does. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this last week, that in this book, Snape's intention and purpose as Harry's protector is clearer to me than Mm -hmm. in other books, right? He is upset when he thinks Harry is on the stairs in the invisibility cloak because he is tired of Harry Potter. This, like, trigger of past trauma with James, right, is just, like, thinks he can get away with everything. But it's also hard to watch someone break the rules when the rules are designed to protect them, right? And it's like, I am working so hard to protect you, and you are just flouting that, right? Like, I've dedicated my whole life to protecting you, and you're out in the middle of the night when we don't know what's going on. Like, I can imagine finding that infuriating. And so, I, as far as, like, the level of difficulty for Snape's, like, spy double agent identity, I find the clarity of his purpose easier to grasp in this book. But what is unclear, even in this book, at least to all of the kids, is that he's motivated by love at all, that this is about, like, a true devotion to Lily and trying to make it up to her, even in death. And I don't know. I'm wondering what you think about that, that we do a lot of things in the name of love that aren't great. And so are those things not really motivated by love or can actual love get us to do really horrible things? That's a Good question. I hope not. Gosh, I hope not. I mean, I think I think I read Hermione as more confident of Snape than you, just because she has that line where she says, he saved you once already. I mean, right. pragmatic Hermione is like, we have your su- suppositions. The only actual evidence is that he saved you before. So right. we'll go with that. He's just kind of mean. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But I think there's something important about that gap between like, we have evidence that he tried to save you, but he's kind of mean because he's really mean. Yeah. Right? Like, he's really mean. We haven't 
yet gone to etymology corner, but the etymology of purpose, it's actually a variant of the word propose. The pose part, it means like, is from the Latin to place, and the pro means to place forward. So it's like to put something forward into the future. Actually, the original pronunciation was to propose, right? To like, to put something in the future. And it has to do with like intention, what you intend for the future. And if, if Snape is a protector, his actions do not communicate that intention at all. No. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so if there is confusion, it's because his his actions do not communicate protection. Like if he wants Harry to take better care of himself and to take fewer risks, he doesn't communicate himself as a trustworthy person to give that advice. Right. On the contrary, he communicates himself as the risk to be avoided. Right. <laughs> right. And that's not the children's fault. It's it's Snape's. And for the reasons you name, and Snape's a really complicated character, and I think a character who operates in the wrong much of the time, but but complicated still. I wonder if Snape's purpose is for Harry to survive, but with really low self-esteem. <laughs> like, That's, I want him to technically live, but yeah. I want him to hate himself. Yeah, I think that might be right, too. Like, his purpose is more subtle than that. It's not just like, my job is to protect Harry. It's like, the bare minimum is just he has to survive. Yeah. But actually, I don't like him. Yeah. I don't care for him in that more robust sense. No. Yeah. He just is James to me. Yeah. And James never learned his lesson. So I'm going to let Harry learn his lesson. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's sort of like his purpose has almost nothing to do with Harry. It's about fulfilling like a debt of obligation to Lily. And Harry is just the mechanism of it, which interestingly objectifies him in the same way that the other children are objectified in this chapter as hostages, right? They're just the objects by which one gets to perform one's obligations or heroism rather than, you know, valuable in and of themselves. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Prose. Casper, I just got a wonderful, wonderful haircut. It looks so good. Thank you. I feel great with it. But I cut off over a foot of hair, and that means my long hair was sort of pulling my curls in one way. And now that I have short hair, I need a totally different hair care routine. Mm. Luckily, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And so I used the review and refine feature, and I was like, yes, I still want vegan hair care products. Yes, I still want to smell like a lavender field, <laughs> but my hair is no longer long. It is short to medium length. Please send me a different formula of shampoo and conditioner. 
Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash Harry Potter. So you get your free consultation and then 50% off at pros.com slash Harry Potter. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Harry Potter. Before we end this theme conversation, yeah. though, Matt, I just have to give like a two sentence shout out to Hagrid, who is like, it is my purpose to care for magical creatures and teach children about it. But also I found out that they think unicorns are pretty. So I'm going to find the prettiest unicorns for them. It's very sweet. It's great. That's great. That's all. Also shout out to Hagrid for thinking a blast and its crew is just as pretty as a unicorn. I know. I just, the descriptions of the unicorns in this chapter, I was like, I am, I've never been a unicorn person. I have no problem with unicorn people. My, um, I have a stepdaughter who's a unicorn person. This chapter, I was like, unicorns sound amazing. (laughs) I just love that Hagrid has stepped into this other purpose of like, oh, right. I'm also supposed to help them fall in love with magical creatures. Yeah, that's a great way to end our conversation on purpose. We've been questioning people's purposes, but Hagrid, one of the things about him is that there's very rarely a gap between his communicated purpose and his inward purpose. Yes. And with magical creatures, that's that's true here, too. Pretty horses. Pretty horses. Vanessa, now it's time for our spiritual reading practice. This week we are doing Pardes, which is a four-step reading practice which comes out of the Jewish tradition. So I need to begin with a line from the text, and I've picked a line at random from the text, and this is the line. Dobby plucked at the shrunken maroon sweater he was now wearing over his shorts. Dobby. (laughs) So that's our sentence, and we're going to use this sentence as a way to come to some insights about the chapter and just to continue this conversation. And so the first step of Pardes is Peshat, where we talk about what's literally going on in this sentence, in and around the sentence. So I'll read it again and ask you, Vanessa, what's going on? Dobby plucked at the shrunken maroon sweater he was now wearing over his shorts. So Dobby has come and woken up Harry, who's fallen asleep studying. He is saying that Harry needs to go save his his wheezy. And Harry is like, what's a wheezy? And so Dobby is like, this is a wheezy who gave me this sweater. And he's showing Harry the sweater. He's wearing Ron's old Christmas sweater that Molly made. And it's just so sweet. And he's just showing him, you know, and there's evidence that it has been worn a lot because it's sort of pilling and... And it, immediately afterwards, Harry's like, what they have Ron? Like, like it yeah. comes into focus for Harry really quickly. And his purpose shifts, right? Yeah. That's where the pepper starts to shift, at least. Even if he didn't have the gillyweed, you have the sense that he would still dive into the lake and go for Ron. Totally. Yep. But I think also the shot is just Dobby's adorable. Yes. That's a good shot. Thank you. The second step of Pardis is Remez. In Remez, we pick a word from the line and we consider what it might bring up for us from other places in the in the book and in the series. So I'll read the line again. And Vanessa, why don't you latch on to one of the words and we'll we'll follow that one through the series. Dobby plucked at the shrunken maroon sweater he was now wearing over his shorts. So what word have you chosen, Vanessa? So a shrunken is the shrunken. word that is like just sparkling up at me, begging to be overanalyzed. Okay. 
Let's think about Shrunken. Where does Shrunken happen or shrinking happen in the series? We have Harry's two big clothes from Dudley. But I don't know, with a little bit of care, could be shrunken down for Harry. To a degree, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, we know that Petunia doesn't make any efforts toward that. And so I'm just also thinking of, like, Harry's sense of self is sort of shrunken in this house. He's singing happy birthday to himself until, like, Hagrid comes in with this, like, new huge identity. That is where my head started at first. Yeah, when I think about shrunken in the series, I think about it more metaphorically than literally. I think about how sometimes characters are forced to turn inward. I think about Neville especially. Like, I feel like with a different set of teachers— Neville's development at Hogwarts might be very different. I mean, he ends up at a very good place, obviously, by the end of the series. But you think about his first few years at Hogwarts and the way that teachers are so hard on him. Rather than help him grow outward, I think that the effect in many cases is to make him, to pressure him to turn inward. And so there's that sense of being shrunk. But it's a personality sense. I feel like what we know by the end of the series is that Neville is a Gryffindor. He actually is full of of courage and resolve and integrity, but that's hidden or obscured or maybe shrunk in in the series? Yes. I mean, the other thing is that Ron, when he gives Dobby the sweater, says we might have to shrink it. Yeah. And Dobby clearly did, which is just like, oh, I can shrink it so it fits me. It's nice that it's not this, like, hugely ill-fitting sweater, but that he was actually able to shrink it so it suits him. It sounds like Dobby's in a real outfit, which is really nice, because usually we know that house elves are in togas and all sorts of things, but he's in, like, a sweater that kind of fits and a pair of shorts. Okay, Vanessa, the third step of Pardis is Drosh, where we talk about what sermon we would preach based upon the line. So let me read the line again. Dobby plucked at the shrunken maroon sweater he was now wearing over his shorts. I think I would talk about building relationships for the sake of building relationships. Because Harry does not free Dobby because he's like, one day Dobby is going to give me gillyweed and help me in the second task. He just does it. But he builds this really loving relationship that it turns out these two people are going to save each other again and again and again. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with having an ulterior motive as long as it motivates you to be loving. And so I would maybe draw out the long, circuitous path of Dobby and Harry's unlikely friendship that gets them to this moment. Oh, that's great. What about you, Matt? I think I do something similar. I would want to talk about relationship building, but I would want to talk about Ron and Dobby. Oh. Because there is like a bond there. I think that, you know, Dobby is so protective of Harry. I think that Dobby is there for Harry. Yeah. But he's also kind of there for Ron. Yeah. Like he cares about Wheezy also. And yeah. He, the, the, because of the sweater, because of like what was seemed like an insignificant act of kindness on Ron's part meant so much to Dobby. And that sort of, you know, I actually don't really like the idea of paying it forward. I think it's a little bit too facile. But here we have a situation where like kindness can build upon itself right? In in ways that we can't predict. And you don't do acts of kindness because you predict the, the great things that'll come from it. You just do them because they're good in and of themselves, but they do have a tendency to build upon themselves. And Ron's act of kindness, I think, coupled with, with everything that's been going on that you would have preached about in your sermon between Harry and Dobby is part of what folds into this kind of triumph of goodness, which is what happens at the end of the chapter. So that would be my sermon. Hmm. I like when we preach together, like yeah, tag nice. team. I like it. Yeah. So the last step of Pardes is the Sode, which is, you could call it the secret or the thing that shook loose for you. Mm-hmm. 
during the, the discussion that we've just had. So I'll read it one more time and you tell me what your secret is. Dobby plucked at the shrunken maroon sweater he was now wearing over his shorts. The thing that shook loose to me is that I often hear people say that they like keeping their friends separate, that like my college friends and my high school friends don't mesh. And so I keep those groups separate. This to me is evidence of how important it is to let everyone know everyone. Like just the community matters. It's not just individual relationships that matter, but it matters that Dobby knows both Harry and Wheezy. And even just a little bit, but I think it's okay for relationships to be messy. Cause just like knowing someone even just for context, I think is really beautiful. I'm glad. Dobby would have done this anyway, just because he knows Harry loves Wheezy. But I think that it helps that Dobby also has this connection to Wheezy. What about you, Matt? Anything shaken loose? Can we do silly sods? Yes. Because I think that maybe this is obvious to every reader. But the way I read the line this time, it makes it sound like he's wearing the sweater over his shorts on his the bottom half of his body. Oh, maybe. That... It, I think it might just be like, you know, Dobby is just so new to clothes. He's got the sweater on the bottom half of his body over his shorts, like his legs through the armholes and, you know, the the neck hole for convenience. I don't know, but I think that's the sew that shook loose for me. I think this is a sillier, a sillier encounter, maybe, than we first realized. Is that, oh a, is that an adequate sew? It yes. feels like it's not meaningful enough, but I feel like, but it, it's like the loopiness and zaniness of it, but also the sweetness and endearingness. Of it, yeah. Uh, I think he's wearing it the over first his time half. you watch a kid dress themselves. Yes, and you're like, you did awesome. You, that's great. I love it. That's no great. matter what happens. That's right. That's right. That's my sode. Uh, I love that sode. Well, thanks for parties today, Vanessa. Thank you, Matt. That was so fun, and I love thinking about Dobby wearing a sweater or shorts. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This week's voice memo is from Kimberly. 
Hi, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text team. My name is Kimberly, and today is December 29th, 2022, and I just finished listening to book seven, The Apologue. I mentioned the date because I discovered Harry Potter and the Sacred Text in late February, early March of this year, and started listening shortly thereafter, as I was sad to have finished listening to all the Jim Dale audiobooks. Longtime reader of Harry Potter, first-time listener. So I've almost finished five years worth of podcasts in, what, 10 months? <laughs> and so much has changed in my life in that time. About a month after I started listening, my husband told me that he wanted to split up, which was not something I was expecting or thought would ever happen. It's been really hard for so many reasons, and I'm very lucky in many ways. I have such supportive, patient, and kind friends and family, which has been made clear by this experience. I like my job and have a supportive supervisor. We don't have children, which would make this more heartbreaking. While my financial situation is different now, I'm not in a bad place. And we don't hate each other. The splitting up of our lives, while terrible, was amicable, uncontested, and filled with care. But it still sucks so hard, and it's been so much to process. Enter Vanessa, Casper, Ariana, all your guests, and the listener voicemails. Listening to this podcast has been such an important part of my journey. There are so many things I want to share with you all, so many reasons why this podcast, the first one I've ever really listened to, is so impactful and special and interesting and sustaining, but I'll try to be short. I so appreciate the space to process big experiences and to have insightful, thought-provoking conversations to listen to that help me uncover new perspectives. About the books, yes, but more importantly, about life and how to make sense and meaning of the messiness. So thank you for creating and continuing this sacred space. I want to conclude with a blessing for all of us going through hard transitions. May Hagrid, the patron saint of transitions, watch over us as we process, make meaning, and create new. Kimberly, thank you so much for this voicemail. I'm so sorry that you went through such a hard time, and I'm really touched and glad that this podcast could be part of any healing process. And I just think that your voicemail is a testimony to, you know, the power, not to be too on the nose about it, but the power of literature and community and how, you know, these things can be reaching out, even with all of the nonsense surrounding J.K. Rowling. And there is a lot of violent nonsense around her. These books can still act on their own and take care of us in all sorts of ways. So, just thank you so much for that voicemail. And I hope things just keep getting better and better for you. Thank you, Kimberly. I'm so sorry for what you've gone through, but I'm glad that you have come through it in a way that you feel some peace about. And I hope you keep listening because we're still doing it. It is now time for us to remember members of our community who have been loved and lost. Sarah French, who is 50, a beloved mother, wife, and friend. Irma Speed, who was 82, a beloved matriarch, entrepreneur, and icon. Poppy Scardino, who was 97, a great-grandmother, friend, jokester, and lifelong learner. Heidi Freed, who was 98, a Holocaust survivor, democracy fighter, and author. John and Diane Henderson, the best grandparents anyone could have ever asked for. 
Aiden Jack Woolman, who was 13. He shared kindness and smiles. May their memories be a blessing to us all. Matt, it's now time for us to bless characters in the chapter. Who would you like to bless? I would like to bless Gabrielle, who's a character I don't think we see again in the series. Not until the wedding. Until the wedding, right? This just seems like a bad situation. Evidently, they pulled Gabrielle out of wherever she lives in France. She's not even old enough to be at Beaubaton yet, right? She wouldn't be old enough for year one. So all of this is new to her. All of this is mystery. And the first thing they do is plunge her under the water. And when she... You know, when she's rescued, she sees her injured sister running at her. This is too much for an eight-year-old. <laughs> I, mean, I don't like this for Gabrielle. And she really just seems like she's, as you said about the other characters, Vanessa, just instrumentalized, used as a as an instrument in the larger purpose of the Four Wizard Tournament. And it, yeah, it just feels gross. And the truth is, we know this, right? This happens to children all the time. They're treated as objects or instruments of other people's purposes rather than ends in themselves. And And so a blessing for Gabrielle and for children. Hmm. I'm going to bless Fleur, the other side of this dynamic. My younger brother tells a story that I really don't remember this happening, but apparently we were at a summer camp and some kid corrected his grammar and I lost it at this girl and was like, he's five years old. You know, it's very defensive. I am very protective of my younger brother. He's 36 now. He he can handle himself. It does not matter. He is my baby and some, like, <laughs> recessed part of my brain. If someone, without me knowing, kidnapped him and used him as bait, I would have lost my mind. And so Fleur, who is losing her mind in this chapter, yes. Yes, this is an eight-year-old child that they have instrumentalized. You're behaving perfectly. (laughs) Everyone, next week we will be reading book four, chapter 27, Padfoot Returns, with the Casper Turkile on the theme of legacy. And we are just so excited to have Casper back. Just a few announcements before we give our thanks. We have a Mary Oliver pilgrimage that is on sale. It will be in Cape Cod and it will be beautiful. And also we will be going to camp. So find out more about all of these at NotSorryWorks.com. And of course, we have ad-free episodes on Apple and through our Patreon. We have had a couple of new iTunes reviews coming in. And thank you so much, everyone. That is how new listeners find us. So a big thanks to Pana, Emily, Molgimo, LT, Jadzia, and Graham2006. This was a Not Sorry production. We are a feminist production company. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman. And our audio engineer is Malika Gumpankum. We are edited and produced by AJ Yaron and our music is by Ivan Faisal and Iqbal. We are distributed by Acast. Thanks this week to Kimberly for their voicemail, to Lara Glass, Julia Argy, Margaret H. Willison, Nikki Zoltan, Hannah Rehack, Courtney Brown, Casper Turkayle, the Harvard Public Affairs and Communications Studio, which allowed us to record here this week, and to Stephanie Paulsell and everyone else who sent in the names of their loved ones this week. The second chapter... Sorry, oh, tw- sorry I'm going to stop touching my book. <laughs> You can... I don't want to turn pages while you're talking. Yeah, but just do it now. Okay, but you were talking. Okay, sorry. I'll wait.
<laughs> wow, this is fun. <laughs> we did it. <laughs>